to the theme for today. It's about love and loving God and loving our neighbor. But, you know, those are sort of abstract kinds of notions, aren't they? What does that mean? You know? We're going to be looking at chapter 19 of the book of Leviticus if you have a Bible and you want to be there. Because in it we have some help with understanding these things. So chapter 19 opens saying, Kedoshim to you, ki kadosh ani Aronai Elohechem. It means, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And we've heard the word holy, and be holy, and God is holy, and holy, 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 I don't know, 20 or 30 or 40 times today already. So how in the world are we holy as God is holy? How can we be? It says, Tihu, you shall be. You shall be holy. That means it's a process, something that is happening to us, this idea of holiness. And we are to be holy because he, our God, is holy. That by virtue of him and in imitation of him, we shall be holy. How can we be holy like God? So what is holy anyway? Does it mean you follow all God's commands and you're holy? Does it mean to be sinless somehow? as if it were possible to be so. Even those of us who have been cleansed by Messiah know that that's not yet a reality for us. Uh, Rabbi Solomon Schechter, in one of his uh, uh, books called Aspects of Rabbinic Theology, he described it this way. He said, Holiness is the highest achievement of the law, and the deepest experience as well as the realization of righteousness. In its broad features, holiness is but another word for the imitation of God, a duty intimately associated with Israel's close contact with him. So we're to be imitating God. We're to be acting as God acts. And in that way, we are acting in a holy way. We are holy ourselves. When our Messiah was asked, which is the greatest commandment, we just heard the reading, Messiah Yeshua responded, the foremost is hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and all our strength. And the second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You know, uh, I've preached in a lot of places, and it's always interesting to me to discover that so many people think that the second part of that, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, is something Yeshua made up on the spot. You know, it's his way of uh, understanding Torah. Instead of the fact that he quoted two scriptures, Deuteronomy 6, 4 for the first, and Leviticus 19, 18 
with a second. So holiness and love are united in these things. That if love is the greatest of the commandments, if imitation of God, as Rabbi Schechter tells us, is to do the things that God does, then love is indeed the greatest commandment. But how do we do that? Somehow, it must mean that these things are related to one another, eh? That love is more than an emotion. In fact, I'm not sure that love... Well, I won't say love isn't an emotion. That's ridiculous. But it's not only that. Love, like holiness, is a way of being. It's a way of being. And that's the thing that chapter 19 gives us the most of. It tells us practically how we can love one another. Everett Fox in his translation of the Shokin Bible, by the way, my daughter took a class with Everett Fox in her, in her junior year. So I'm really, I know the man already. That's how it is. It's like second nature. She said she liked it. Must be good. Okay. Uh, he said, uh, the central lines, holy are you to be, for I am holy. He's translating that portion that I just read to in Hebrew. Are followed by line after line calling for holiness in worship, agriculture, in personal relations, interpersonal relationship, business, the treatment of the disabled and the elderly, court procedure, sexuality. Stated another way, the way of holiness is the way of love. Again, Rabbi Schechter, quoting the ancient sage Abba Shaul, uh, agrees with this assessment when he says that this imitation receives practical shape in the following passage. The members of the house of Israel are in duty bound to deal with one another mercifully, to do charity, to practice kindness. For the Holy One, blessed be, has only created this world with loving kindness and mercy, and it rests with us to learn from the ways of God. So, it is then, and so it is then, that in order for each of us to truly be holy, we must learn what it means to love. We talk about love all the time. Oh, I love you. You're so wonderful. I love you. I love everybody. You know, we all say that. But what do we mean when we say it? You know, I love my wife, but I definitely don't love any of you like I love her. You know, I like y'all, but you get the you get the point. Love is how we act toward one another. What is it is a state of being, my friends. And what I want you to learn today is that you will either be a lover or you won't. It's a question of choice not a question of how you feel. And we can see this in chapter 19 very vividly laid out for us. It is one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible, in my estimation. And the one which I feel must be the centerpiece is, indeed, for me, the centerpiece of the book of Leviticus, the book of Vaikra. Because in it, I feel, it describes the heart of God. 
So it says to us at the very beginning, it starts this love by loving God. Well, how do we do that? How do you love God? Do you just feel warm and gushy when you're in his presence somehow? You know, that's how a lot of people are. They, it, for them, it becomes this incredibly emotional experience to be in some venue in which they can feel God. It says here, in verse 3, it says, Every one of you shall reverence his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Remarkable that God begins by telling us to love our parents, or to reverence our parents, to honor them, and that we should obey the Sabbath. These are two of the great commandments in the Ten Commandments. And why? Because this is the basis of, it it begins there. If we cannot even care for our own flesh and blood, how in the world can we care for for God? He who does not love his fellow man cannot love God whom he cannot see. And it goes on to tell us that we shouldn't shouldn't, uh, pray to idols. When we make sacrifices, make them acceptably. So on and so forth. You know, when, we obe- when we're loving God, it means that we're doing things in ways that please him. To love God is to observe the Sabbath. To love God is to treat people well. It's to make the appropriate sacrifice. To, to consider as important the things that God thinks are important. If you have a set of priorities that doesn't line up with that, well, how can you be loving God? You can't. So we have to begin there. It's just like when you love someone else. Their priorities have to become your priorities. Otherwise, what kind of relationship do you have? Secondly, it tells us that we have to love one another. How do we love one another? Well... I want you to take a look at some of the a list of some of these things. I know this can be a little bit tedious here, but you need to see these things to know that you're acting appropriately. Verses nine and ten it tells us that we are to care for the poor. That's how it begins when you're dealing with others. It says, "When you reap from the harvest of your land, you shall not reap the very corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest." You shall leave them for the needy and for the stranger. We have a priority in this life to take care of those who are in need. That the least in our world need the most help and we should help them. Help them so one day they can stand on their own two feet to help someone else. And I find it really telling for us that God begins with those who are least. When we're talking about loving, we need to love those who are the least, the most unlovable first. But it goes on, it tells us how we're, that we're to speak appropriately, honorably, and truthfully with one another. To be just in the way in which we deal with one another. Don't, look to, don't seek your own advantage in every transaction in life. I was, I was listening to a guy who was telling a story about how a fella started with a paper clip on like Craigslist. I don't know, have you ever heard this? It's some urban story or something. 
But he traded up. Every, you know, the whole idea was to trade up. And I know at the end, I know, I think he wound up with an automobile. You know, I don't remember the entire story, but I remember it was like, it was, I'm listening to this and saying, is that really possible? And he trades a paper clip and somebody gives him a little token of something. Then he takes that token, he puts it back on, and somebody gives him something bigger than that. And he trades that for, you know, somebody wanted to collect the token, so he gave them something bigger than that. I mean, always seeking his own advantage in the transaction, never thinking, you know, I think I'm ripping this dude off, and maybe I shouldn't do that. No, we are to be just in our dealings, and this way we love our neighbor. We do not slander. This is one of the most vicious killers in our world. We are a world filled with gossip. In fact, someone once said that 80% of all human conversation is gossip. If, that which, if that's true, then boy, we could sure use a quieter world. In fact, you know, our whole media machine is fed on gossip, right? What would Twitter do without gossip? Instagram. What's next? And yet, we can do such evil with it. For those of you who don't know, I've said this many times, uh, slander kills three people. It kills the person who was slandered. It kills the person who did the slandering. And it kills the person who heard the slander. We have to avoid that. By doing so, we love one another, speaking well of each other. Listen, look at verses 23 and following. It's very interesting there. It tells us, when you enter the land, plant all kinds of trees for food. Then you shall count their fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden to you, shall not be eaten. But in the fourth year, all its fruit will be holy and an offering of praise to the Lord. And then in the fifth year, you're to eat the fruit that it yields. Even in terms of the environment, we need to learn how to treat it well. In in doing so, we bless ourselves. We love one another by treating the environment the way God would have us treat it. Yet we exploit. We continue to exploit. We continue to want to get more out of the golden goose until... Finally, the goose is dead. It's amazing. And and in verse 29, it says, Do not profane your daughter by making her a harlot, so that the land will not fall into harlotry and the land become full of lewdness. I find that very interesting, that verse. I mean, we wouldn't even think about that now, would we? And yet child abuse in this country is worse than it's ever been. Or maybe we're just hearing more about it. I don't know. But again, it's protecting those who are the least in our society. Protecting the innocent. Protecting those who cannot protect themselves. That is our responsibility. Even, our, even the least, our children. And in verse 32... It says, you shall rise up before the gray-headed and honor the aged, and you shall revere your God. I am the Lord. To honor the elderly. See, this is another one of our problems. And as I get older, I appreciate this thing more and more and more. That we don't in our country, in our, in our culture. All we want to do is take older folks and put them away out of, out of reach because they remind us that one day we will be old too. 
And they're too feeble to really make a contribution. How unwise of us. When all the wisdom of our history is contained within them. What we need to do is find a way to incorporate everybody into the, uh, to the life and the culture of our land. So we love one another in all of those ways. Caring for the poor, speaking honorably, being just, not slandering, no hate or murder. Helping the environment, taking care of our children and our elderly. That's how we love one another. But it goes beyond that and tells us that we need to love the one who is not us. Now that's even harder, to love someone who is not you. So it tells us in verse 33, it says, When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall, do, you shall, not, uh, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you are aliens in the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. So we have to love even the stranger. Why? Because he or she too is made in the image of God. Not just we, not just those of us who are Jews, not those of us who are believers in Messiah, as if all the rest of humanity didn't count or God didn't care. No, indeed, God sent his only son into the world so that the whole world might be saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that all could have eternal life. So that means treating the stranger as one of our own, without respect to persons. How hard is that in our day and age? We're struggling with all these problems even in our own land, in our own country, right now. How to deal with it. How to deal with the immigrant problem. How to deal with strangers. How to deal with the poor. And God tells us that our duty is to do the right thing by them because that is the way one becomes a lover. And by extension, someone who is holy. So, again, Messiah says to us, uh, when he was asked, which was the greatest commandment, again, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. By doing the things that are important to God, by making those things a priority in your life, if they're just a priority in God's life, they don't mean anything to you. And secondly, we, is to love our neighbor as ourself by treating everyone, including the stranger, as ourselves. So when we learn how to love first God, and then our fellows, and then all other people, then we will be holy. Then we will be lovers. Amen. Congregation, I would ask you, in holiness, let us rise. Again, I want to recommend to you all that you study that chapter. You need to know that chapter by heart.
never thought you'd have to memorize Leviticus, right? Okay. You know, we often talk about holiness, and I hope what we're going to do with that holiness is to become really and truly holy people by being the kind of people that this portion of Torah describes. It's a choice you're going to make every single day. When you go to work, when you come home, when you treat your wife and your, the way you treat your wife or your husband, your children, your mother or your father. You know, there's a portion in there that says, you shall not put a stumbling block before the blind or curse the deaf, you know. If you curse the deaf, he won't even hear. So how in the world can you hurt him? Maybe you're not hurting him. Maybe you're just hurting yourself. Maybe you're hurting the very air around you. Remember, holiness is a way of being. It's a way of being. Let's remember that because the Messiah Yeshua came and practiced holiness by practicing all of the things that we just learned. Things we just that were just described to us.